The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Amen. Thank you guys for that. If you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 13. Um, my name is Jared Clary. I'm over students and missions, and so I get to, to fill in while Tracy's out. He's on his way to Nashville, and so... Uh, It'll be good to have him back, but uh, you guys get me in the midst of that. Tracy did plan this out rather strategically, though. He got to preach the first half of the book of Joshua, which is these incredible epic battles. He's, it's got like, you know, these incredible stories. And then you get to Joshua 13, and it's like going to the courthouse and reading land titles and deeds and surveys. And it's like, but not only for like Shreveport, it's like New Mexico. I mean, there's like one person in here that cares about New Mexico, Kevin. But, but like none, none of the rest of us do. It's like, okay, this is land for somebody else that I have no clue how to pronounce their names and no clue where that even is. And, and this, is what, this is where we find ourselves in Joshua 13. And so, you know, as you read your Bible, you'll find yourself in some of these places like this sometimes. Sometimes it's a genealogy. Sometimes it's a passage like this. And, and there's something inside of us that, that goes like, okay, this has, what value does this have? You know, where we kind of check out. We kind of read them with like, you know, just first name, you know, first letter of the names, things like that. But I just want to remind you real quick before we jump into this, that all of God's word is profitable for us. That all of God's word is for our instruction and for our edification. That we get to see the God who spoke the universe into existence through this text. And so there's a battle that goes on in our mind of like, okay, but I don't, I don't, how do I even pronounce these places? To where a lot of times we'll just check out and we'll miss the rich treasure in these passages. So let me pray for us. And I just want to encourage you with that. That when you run across a passage like this, just spend a minute in prayer and say, God, would you show me? So let's do that this morning. God, as we dive into this text, which on the surface, Lord, just seems like a land survey. Seems like a list of of places and people and names, Lord, and, and it's hard sometimes for us to relate to it as much as maybe a different passage. God, would you give us eyes to see you this morning? Would you give us ears to hear you this morning? God, would you help us to have a heart that desires the things which you desire? Would you meet with us as we hear from your word, as we hear your word today? Would you help us to apply it to our life? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to do this morning is, is really, it's, it's kind of a fun text once you get past it a little bit. And so, so chapter 13 marks a division. And so it's helpful to understand the book of Joshua. This is a narrative going on. And so Joshua 13 marks a, marks a pinpoint. Okay, so mark this location as this is the shift in the book. The first half of the book was the conquest of the land. And so we got a lot of those epic stories. Chapter 13 hits, and now we get the allotment of the land. And so for the next several chapters, all the way until chapter 19, 20, 21, and on, gives us a little bit different. But from 13 to 19, what we're going to get is just a list of each of the tribes and the land that they got. And so we're going to see in this, you know, you're like, woo, riveting, right? We're going to see in this some incredible characteristics of what it looks like in the battle of faithfulness. And so what I'm going to pull out this morning from this text, and, and hopefully we can see it, is, is what does it look like for us 
What are the truths we need to remember when we live in light of our future inheritance? Okay, so we're going to look at four truths of, that we need to remember in order to live in light of our future inheritance. Okay, so um, as we dive into this, let me give you the first truth. Okay, so the first truth that we need, to do, we need to remember in light of our future inheritance is that there is still work to be done. Okay, I get that from, from verse 1. If you, if you look at it, it's kind of comical. If you don't read the Bible, you don't get the humor in it, right? So it, it says, 13 verse 1, Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You're old and advanced in years. Right? Now, that, that's pretty basic right there, right? But how many of us want to have God be like, Hey, you're old, right? My dad, 7th grade science teacher, he outlawed the old word. And so apparently the Bible did too. He says, you're advanced in years, right? So Joshua is old, but there remains very much land to possess. Did you catch that part? There remains very much land to possess. We see right here in verse 1 that the job is not over. There is still work to be done. Now what's important for us to catch in this text is that that Joshua has led the people to this point, and he's getting old. And Joshua is about to die. He dies at the end of the book. Spoiler alert. Sorry. He dies at the end of the book, and there's not going to be another leader for Israel really until the prophet Samuel comes along. Okay? And so we've got this time period. And so, so God has a job for Joshua to do. And that job is to, to divide up the inheritance that each tribe is going to get. Okay, this was what was promised to them way back with Abraham. This is the land that was promised to them. And so Joshua has a job to do. The job is not yet done, although the reality is already in effect. Does this make sense? That, that the inheritance is theirs, but they have a job to do until they walk to that point. And so we see that this first truth is that there is still work to be done. Now... You and I can relate to this, right? You know, you may be uh, at home. That's, that's my little girl. See ya. She's like, there's work to be done. I'll tell you more about her later. There's a, uh, I got another illustration for that one. That's Kinsley, sorry. All right, so, so in this text... To come back to this, there's still work to be done. And you and I can relate to this. You know, we like to look back at our accomplishments, right? We like to look at all the things that we've accomplished in life and we go, wow, like that took a lot of work. I love having a big yard. I love it. Except for when it's time to rake pine needles. Now, I'm from Oklahoma and we don't have these massive pine trees like y'all do here. And so when we bought this house, then I was like, man, look at these huge trees. This is awesome. And I know why it was cheap. Because I got like 15 of these trees in my yard and they drop pine needles all the time, right? And so it seems like every other week I'm, I'm needing to rake pine needles. And so I get like half of the yard done and it's huge. And it's like, ah, look at all those bags of pine needles that I've raked. And it feels good to look at those accomplishments. Maybe for you it's that load of laundry. You know, it's that mountain. Maybe it's that big job at work. And you, you look at the accomplishments and you're like, yes. And then I turn and I look at the other half of the yard and I think, oh man. I've got to do everything I just did again. All the energy that I just poured out, 
I got to do it again. And I think that's where we find Joshua right here. Is he's like, we've just done this incredible conquest. We've had this incredible battle. And now, God says, but there's still a lot more land that remains. There's a still a lot more that has to be done. Now, I want to show you on the slide real quick so that we can kind of get a visual picture. This will be helpful for the rest of our book. Is Okay, so this is Reuben, Gad, and the, the half-tribe of Manasseh. These are the three tribes that we're going to learn about today. Okay, this is on the east of the Jordan. The Jordan River runs right up here. And so... When we talk about Joshua and we, we remember these epic battles, so, so Moses and leads the people up to right here. And then they cross the Jordan right there, God's incredible show of power. And then this is where they fight Jericho. And then we see in chapter 11 and 12, this is the southern conquest kind of in this region. And then they cross back up here, and this is the northern conquest kind of up in this region. And so these are the 12 tribes of Israel that we're going to see this land allotment. Now, as we look at this text in chapter in verses 1 through 7, we kind of get this summary for the rest of the book. And so we see the land that still remains is all of this. So basically all up this coast and then all of this right up here. This northern part and then all along the coast and there's a little bit right here in a in a valley that still remains to be conquered. Now, that's a lot of land. And what we know about these people is that these people had a fierce reputation for war. These people had horses and chariots. It was easier to beat the people up in the hills because they didn't have the use of horses and chariots. And so now this job that they have to do, the job that still remains for Joshua and the people of Israel is a task that they look at and go, whoa, we've got a lot of work to do. There's still a job that remains. So you and I, we're in this place, and we're going to apply this stuff all throughout, but kind of culminate at the end. You and I are in this place where if you're here this morning, there's a job still for you to do. The Lord's not through with you yet. There's something that he has for you to do. Now, we have these standing commissions. We have these standing calls from the Lord to go and make disciples of all nations. And guess what? All the nations have not heard the name of Jesus. The people at your work, some of them have not heard the name of Jesus. The people at your schools, some of them have not heard the name of Jesus. There is a lot of work that still remains for us to do. So for you and I, we're in the same place as Joshua, where the Lord is saying to us, guess what? We've done a lot. We've had some epic battles. You've seen my faithfulness, but there's a lot of work that still remains. Now, the second truth that we need to remember in living in light of God's inheritance in the future, is we need to remember that God provides all that we need to accomplish His work. Let me say it again. The second truth that we need to remember as we live in light of a future inheritance is we need to remember that God provides everything we need. Now, where do we get this from this text? Well, if you look at towards the end of verse 8, we see in this long list of, of names culminating at the end of all these lands that still remain, we hear the voice of God. And he says this, I myself will drive them out from the people of Israel. That's incredible. 
in the midst of this overwhelming thought that we have to do everything we just did. We've got to do that all again. And God says, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to drive the people out for you. In the midst of you thinking, but I can't, I can't share the gospel with my friend. In the midst of you thinking, but I can't, I, I'm not strong enough to do that. I'm not strong enough to be bold and take that stand. I'm not, I don't have enough faith to go on that trip. I don't, I, I, I can't do it. Then God says, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. God says, I will give you everything you need to obey me. I'll give you everything you need to accomplish the task which I've called you to. This is an incredible promise from God that we see here that we ought to to base our life on, right? As we live in light of, of a future inheritance, we have a job to do today, but that job is so overwhelming for us that apart from God, we can't do it. You see, God continually calls us to things which we can't do in and of ourselves, right? God holds out these tasks for us. Hey, go and take my name to the nations that all people would worship me. You can't do that. You and I can't do that. It takes God doing a work in them. It takes God doing a work through us. God calls us to things which are far too big for us to do on our own. He's created us to be dependent people. In our culture, then independence is something that's, that's incredibly uh, glorified, right? Got an independent woman, independent man, they're independent. But God created us to be dependent beings. He created us that we would trust in Him. It's just like the song that we sang. I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. That God didn't create us to be independent from Him. He created us to be dependent on Him. And so the things which He calls us to do create in us to where we have to be dependent on Him. Which leads us into the third truth that we see in the text here. Is that there is a necessity for obedience as we live in light of a future promise. As we live in light of a future inheritance, we have a necessity for obedience. Now, let me show you where I get this. Because coming right on the heels of verse 8, where God says, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Skip down to verse 13. And we see in the midst of these names, in the midst of the land that they're supposed to possess, we read verse 13, Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Machathites, but Geshur and Machath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. Now, as we read that, there ought to be something in our mind that goes off. There ought to be a siren that sounds. There ought to be something that goes, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And we've got to flip back up to verse 8 and say, did God not say that he was going to drive all the people out? Yeah, he did. But the people didn't, the, there's people still in the land. So we've got to ask the question, why? Were these people so fierce that God couldn't drive them out? No. Did God lie about his promise? No. You see, we've already seen this once before in Joshua chapter 7. In the narrative of this book, then we've seen that God said he would go with Israel and that there was not a single person who could stand against them. 
And yet we got to chapter 7 and we saw that Israel got defeated at the battle of Ai. We saw that Israel, that 32 men lost their life. Why did they lose their life? It was because of sin in the camp. It was because of disobedience to God. And so we get to this section and we see why did the people, why did the people remain in the land? Because Israel failed to obey God's commands. God had provided everything they needed. Israel just failed to obey it. I was talking with a student this week and uh, we're sitting there talking and, and he was like, man, I'm just sick of my sin. I'm sick of it. I want to change. And I was like, yeah. He said, yeah, but that's why, that's why I get so frustrated at God. That's why I guess I get kind of mad and he kind of stopped and he was like, I mean, not mad, but like, like, you know, and I was like, yeah. He was like, Be- because, because I'm not seeing the victory. I'm not, I'm not overcoming it. Like, I'm not seeing these things. And I just asked him the question. I said, do you think you're being obedient to everything God's calling you to? He said, no. I said, well, I think that that may be part of the reason you're not experiencing the victories that you want. You see, there's a necessity for obedience as we live in light of this future inheritance. God says, it's yours. Now obey me and you experience it. You see, but, but we're kind of like Kinsley. See, Kinsley, uh, we say, you guys can have dessert as long as you eat your meal. Right? You guys know where this is going. And Kinsley, she's pretty picky as an eater. And so, so she goes, I don't want that. And we go, well, you've got to eat your food in order to get the dessert. And she says, but, but I want the dessert. We go, I know. But you've got to eat the food to get the dessert. And she's like, I don't want the food. I want the dessert. And we're like, no, the dessert comes after the food. She's like, but I want it. And so she, then she throws a fish. She's like, ah, she's crying. It's like, eat your food and you get it. It's yours. It's sitting right there. It's set out for you. Just eat your food and you can experience it. But aren't we a lot like her in our spiritual life? God says, hey, I've got these incredible blessings of peace, of my closeness, of the blessings that I have for you. Walk in obedience to me. Turn away from sin. Flee sin. Walk with me and you experience my nearness. And we go, "Uh, but can I have the sin and the peace? But I don't want to walk in obedience. That looks hard. But can, I have, but can I have the dessert? Can I have the benefits without the obedience? And we live in that place. But, but there's a, as I was wrestling with this, and there was something that was in me that was like, but to say that, there's something that kind of grinds on me. And it's like, yeah, but. Yeah, but. And it's like, this is nuanced in here. Because what I'm not saying is that if you walk in obedience, your life will be happy and easy. I'm not saying that. We know that the scriptures don't say that. Scriptures tell us verses like, Consider it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces something. Something eternal. And we know that, that Jesus said like, Hey, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. 
But at the same time that we know that there's going to be trials and we know that if, if I just obey God, it's not like I walk down this like little, the whole world's going to look at me and go, wow, there may be trials, there may be sickness, there may be cancer, there may be death, there may be pain and suffering. But in the midst of that, you can experience the nearness of God and the peace which he brings. That's where this obedience, that obedience is necessary. But then there was another part that just kind of grinded and I was like, but we live under grace because we can't be perfect. And so I'm not trying to preach be perfect because we know that we can't be perfect. But then this is what's going on in my head. But then we've got scriptures that say, be perfect as I am perfect. We've got a calling to something which we can't do. But oh wait, that leads us back to the last point that in light of our inheritance, we need to live dependent on what God gives us. That so through the Spirit, through His power, by Him, we can live a life of obedience. And so we see in this passage, we see, man, there's work still to be done. How do we accomplish that work? We accomplish that work by, by living dependent on Him. But when we fail to obey, and when we fail to do the things which God has called us to, then we start to experience things like pain and suffering and hurt and grief and guilt. Well, those things are actually a blessing because they're going to tell you, stop, turn around, wrong way. And they're going to point us back to the Lord and say, you want the, you want the blessings of following the Lord? Obey me. There's a future inheritance which is, is yours. Now walk in obedience. And as much as we walk in obedience, we get to experience that. And as as much as we walk in disobedience, we forfeit that. And so what we see here is that Israel forfeited the blessings which God had for them because of their lack of obedience. So point number four, for how we live in light of a future inheritance, is that we need to remember the Lord's faithfulness. We need to remember the Lord's faithfulness. Now, where I'm getting this from is, is throughout this text, what we see in here is we see this list of names. And it may be really easy to just, to just blow past these names, but the, the unique thing is the more... Here's the way the Bible works. That as you take pieces, it's kind of like this puzzle, and as you start to put pieces together, you start to see more and more and more of a picture. So if you've only got two or three pieces... You don't get very much of the picture. But as you start to put all these pieces together, then this picture comes alive, right? You guys have experienced that in a jigsaw puzzle. The more you put together, the more you see. And so here's, here's what we see. Let me piece a couple of these pieces together. We've heard these names, and they're listed three times each here in this passage, Sihon and Og. Now, who are these people, Sihon and Og? Right? They got some funny names. But who are these people? Well, if you read in Numbers, when Moses is leading Israel through the desert, then they come to this land and they, and they ask this king and they say, Hey, can we travel through your land? Can we just stay on the road and travel through? And the king goes, uh-uh. And Moses is like, well, we won't go into your fields. We won't go into your vineyards. We're just going to stay on this road. Can we go through? And the king's like, uh-uh. And the king actually, instead of letting them pass through, he builds this army and they come and they come to destroy Israel. But God has different plans, right? 
And God says, no, 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 no. You're not going to destroy Israel. I'm going to destroy you. And so God just wipes them out. There's no way Israel can do that on their own. God, again, gives this incredible defeat against this king of Sihon. Okay, so then there's this other king. These were like the two kings in this region on the east side of the Jordan. They were the biggest, baddest dudes, right? It's like the, the little shrimp going up to the bully at school and just waylaying him one punch, like out. This guy's gone, right? So then Sihon's gone. Now you've got Og. Well, Og hears about this, the king of Og. And so he forms this army and they come against Israel to defeat Israel. And God's got different plans. God's like, "Uh uh-uh. And so instead of Og defeating Israel, Israel defeats Og, takes it captive, captures it. And now this rumor spreads, this name spreads. I mean, the grapevine is strong in Israel, right? And so the the word spreads to all these people. And if you remember back to the early part of Joshua, then there was a lady named Rahab who had heard about Israel and who had heard about their defeat of the king of Sihon and Og. And if you remember what it did to the people of Jericho is that when they had heard that the king of Sihon and Og had been defeated by the God of Israel, then their hearts melted within them and there was no fight left in them. Wow. The mention of Sihon and Og in these chapters, in this chapter 13, has incredible significance. Because now what's about to happen is... is Moses had given these two and a half tribes this land on the east side of the Jordan. And so now Joshua's saying, hey, here's your inheritance. It's this land that Og was on. It's this land that Sihon was on. This is the land that you're going back to. And so can you imagine, put yourself in their shoes. They're walking back. And they're like, man, this is where that king ruled. But God was faithful. God gave us the victory. God was faithful. He'll be faithful again. For you and I, maybe it's a a battle with sickness. Maybe it's a battle with anger or fear or anxiety. There's some battles in your past, if you're a believer, that God is setting up in order to point you to the future. That you would be able to look back at those and say, God is faithful. God is faithful. I can trust him again. You see, there's a story about David when he goes up against Goliath and and he goes to the king and he's like, hey, God protected me against lions and bears. Why would he not protect me now? There are battles which you will face in this life which will set you up to succeed in the future because God is faithful. And you're going to need to pull off of that faithfulness. You're going to need to remember that faithfulness because there's still work to be done. We need to remember the faithfulness of God. There's another name in in this list. If you look, then it, it comes at verse 22. So let me just put another little piece in here. Verse 22, then there's this guy named Balaam. You may know the story, you may not, but but there's this story where where Israel was coming through and a king went to Balaam, who was this guy who prophesied. And when he spoke things, then it happened. And so this king comes to him and he says, hey, Balaam, um, we'll give you some money. Can you curse Israel so that we'll beat them in battle? And Balaam says, well, I can only do what God allows me to. So let me go ask God. So he goes to God and he says, God, can I curse these people? And God says, no, you can't curse them. Those are my people. You can bless them, though. So go ahead and bless them. And they go back to the king and he's like, so? He's like, well, I couldn't curse them, but but God told me to bless them. So I blessed them. 
The king's like, what? What are you doing? He ends up doing it like three times, right? And he, like, they keep offering him more money and more money and more money. And he's like, well, let me go ask God again. Like, God's going to change his mind, right? He's like, you can't. Those are my people. Bless them. And so he blesses them like three different times. And so what we see in this is that, that even when the world is against Israel, even when everything is stacked against them, God intervenes to where they win. They're victorious. God is so intricately involved in Israel and their future because there's still work to be done because he has a plan for us that he's so intricately involved that they continue to be blessed. So I want to ask you the question, so what has happened in the past? What places has God intervened in your life to show his faithfulness where he's brought you through? It's an addiction. Is it a sin? Is it a relationship? Where you can look back and you go, wow, God is faithful. He's going to be faithful with what remains. Oh, how I look forward to that future inheritance, knowing the path that I'm walking, because God is faithful all the time. So I want to start to close here in this section. Because, and what I want to do is I want to... I want to I want to paint the picture of of we're in the same place as Israel. Israel has just heard about their inheritance, which they're about about to get. But they're just hearing about it. They're not actually experiencing it yet. They're experiencing aspects of it, but they're not, it's it's not theirs yet. And so they're living in light of what's to come. Which is a lot like us. And so what I want to do is I want to I want to begin to pull our eyes off of the here and now. I want to begin to pull our eyes off of the, the baseball games coming up or the graduations coming up or the weddings coming up or the, you know, the, the big event or watching our kids grow up. I want to begin to pull our eyes off of the circumstances here because I think we don't live enough in light of our future inheritance. And if we're going to live this life in such a way to make that look real to a world that's watching us, we've got to know what we're inheriting. We've got to know the picture of what's to come. And, and if we'll spend some time looking at that, guess what? The things here, the circumstances here, they get real small. Because we know what's to come. And so, if you've read much of the New Testament, you know that Paul caught this really well. He loved this idea. He's, in Philippians, then he says this. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Meaning, like, not that I've already inherited this. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul uses this analogy all the time about running a race and he runs for the prize at the end. He runs for the future inheritance. And so for us as believers... We find ourselves in this same place because if you've trusted in Christ, if you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart what Christ has done for you, then you're in a place where God has given you an inheritance. He says, I went to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and get you. He went to prepare your inheritance. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. 
He went to prepare an inheritance for us. And so we need to live in light of that. And so our job is to say, I've still got work to do here. But I can't do it on my own. I'm dependent on God because the tasks which he's called me to do are impossible for me. I need him. Oh, I need him. But I need to live in faithful obedience to the things which he's called me to. It's necessary. And as I do that, I'm going to remember the things which the Lord has done in my past. I'm going to remember the faithfulness that he's done. And I'm going to look forward to this. If you have your Bible, I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 20 and 21. This is our future inheritance. This is what we live in light of. This is yours in Christ. If you've never trusted in Christ, that's where you need to start. It's going to mention some things in here. There's two places in eternity. There's those that have trusted in Christ, and then there's those that have not. If you've never trusted in Christ, that's where you need to start. We'd love to talk to you more after the service about what that looks like. Your friend sitting next to you would love to talk to you more about what that looks like. But for those of us in Christ... Just listen to these words. Meditate on this. This is the future inheritance that we live in light of. Verse 11, chapter 20, verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Let me read that again. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is our future inheritance. This is what we live in light of. This is our truth. That we say, God, there's work that still remains. But I'm going to live in light of what's coming. God, I'm going to depend on you to accomplish the things which you've called me. Because I know what's coming. God, I'm going to obey your commands. Because I know what's coming. God, I'm going to remember your faithfulness. Because I know what's coming. Let's live today. 
in light of our promised inheritance. Let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for this passage. Lord, that points us to the future inheritance which you promise for us. Which points us to the things which we need to remember as we live today. As we live tomorrow. As we live next week. Lord, the things which we need to live in light of. Lord, we thank you just for the the way that you speak to us. Lord, that you provide everything we need to do it. Lord, help us to be dependent people. Help us to trust in your faithfulness. Help us to take actions based on your promises. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.